So it turns out that uh, most of the ways we use to describe the Trinity are heresies. So that's a bit of a shock, isn't it? A few years ago, after I preached a particularly great sermon on the Trinity at another parish, one of the parishioners asked, did it matter if we didn't understand the Trinity? And at one level the answer was, no, not really. We don't really need to understand the technical constructs of the theology of Trinity, although I think it's helpful to have a go at it. But at another level the answer is, oh my goodness me, yes! Because how we conceive of God, how we construct our understanding of God, affects how we see ourselves in relation to God, how we see others, how we live our lives in God. It is at the very core of who we are as followers of Christ. Most of our disagreements as Christians are around how we see God. It's where it all starts. So I invite you to turn to your neighbour and to talk about your understanding of the Trinity, God three in one, and its importance in your life. So there we go. Just a nice, easy question to get you going. So I wonder what things you have been talking about. There you go, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The box standard traditional way of doing it. Absolutely. then we kind of slide towards either modalism or partialism, both of which have been condemned as heresies. Absolutely. So this is an icon of the Trinity um, based on one of the biblical stories. about, as you say, an invitation to join in that relationship of joy and love. So that's partly why holding to the three persons is really important. So modalism, for example, which says God is like ice and water and steam, then, then there is no relationship there. There's just God who pops up in various ways, but there's just God. And there's no relationship in there. So it becomes difficult then to talk about how you're invited into that. God remains, in many ways, way out there, distinct from us. And the Trinity, at its best, overcomes that. Any other thoughts? There's a finger pointing at Helen. Just dobbed him. We were, we were talking, in particular, I guess, Right. How you can just, out of the blue, you can just sort of like 
it's to um, score on somebody and you find it's exactly the right moment. So that's a, re that's a really important thing and I want to kind of, um, kind of use that to offer some thoughts about Trinity. I'm, I'm sure some of you have thought, why did anyone spend time thinking up all these things about Trinity? It seems quite academic and heady. And how is it helpful? And we forget that actually this doctrine came out of the experience of the early church who were trying to kind of hold how they experienced the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit but somehow still hold true to what their scriptures said. So for the very early church, their scripture was the, new, the Hebrew Bible. And over the first 300 years, those stories about Jesus that we call Gospels and those letters of Paul and letters by James and John and Peter and Luke's description of the early church, they kind of became... Uh, took on more importance until they were seen as scriptural. But that took a while. And none of those people who wrote the New Testament were Trinitarian in their theology. We can go back and we can see glimpses of them kind of reaching towards it, but they were not Trinitarian. So the best example of that is uh, Paul, when he gives us the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That is not Trinitarian. Because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in that formula, he is saying there is God, and there is Jesus, and there is the Holy Spirit. So how did he understand the relationship? If it said that God the Father, then it would have been Trinitarian. But it's not Trinitarian. He's either got God and then Jesus and the Spirit are not divine or he's worshipping three gods and actually a lot of us Christians worship three gods we don't realise it but when we deviate away from that Trinitarian theology we are dangerously close to worshipping three gods and there are lots of people who are not Christians who look at us and go you guys are not monotheistic you worship three gods so the Trinitarian theology allows us to hold all this together. In John, when Jesus talks about the Spirit glorifying him, what he's talking about there, the word glory means making visible the presence of God. So in Jesus, the presence of God is made visible. John is probably the closest we get to Trinitarian theology. And many people think that his was one of the later works to be written. So if the question for the early church was, how is God made visible in our experience of the crucified and risen Christ? And how does that shape our life as a church? Big questions. Questions that came out of their and our eternal wrestling with the nature of God. Questions around... And the questions around the Trinity were not, weren't just problems to be solved, which is what it can feel like today. They were much less concerned about getting the right answers, and they were much more concerned about meeting the deep pastoral needs of that early church. A church that was persecuted and was trying to make sense of 
their faith and why things were so tough and how to respond to all of that. All of those early theologians were bishops and pastors and they wrote out of a pastoral concern for the people for whom they lived their life of faith. So their theologies were always driven by a pastoral concern, not out of any intellectual concern. During this last week I was reminded that in Jesus we are grafted in the people of Israel. We all know that. I wonder how many of us think about what the name Israel means or where it comes from. It is the name given to Jacob after he spent the night wrestling with an angel. And it means wrestling with God. We are grafted into the people whose very name is wrestle with God. So the Trinity is our way of wrestling with God. So this is our way of struggling to understand the nature of God and who we are in relationship to God or as I say reasonably often, whose we are and who we are and what it's ours to do. And one of the ways of understanding the Trinity is that it is it describes God manifesting God's self as love, as well, close to what Charmaine and Donald were talking about. They use joy, I would use love. So at the heart of this relationship that's on that screen is love. The love that we are invited into. St. Augustine of Hippo said that in the story of Jesus, we are reminded that we are made in the image of God most holy, the omnipotent creator of all. He said earlier that that original sin isn't something bad we did. Original sin is we forgot who we were. We forgot that we were made in the image of this God. And that the only way that we could work out who we are was through the, Je the story of Jesus. All the teaching that had come in Scripture hadn't worked. But having a story, an event that we could meditate on and think about, that was the way God was using to remind us of who God is and who we are. So in the Jesus story, we are reminded that we are made in the image of God and we are reminded what it means to be fully human. And in the Spirit, we are given the means to meditate on the story, to be changed by the story so that we might experience the risen Christ present in our world today, present in our neighbour, present in this gathering, present in our lives and hearts. And as we meditate on the story, we come to know God as a communion of love. God the lover, God the beloved, God who is love. God the lover, the creator of all, the Father, God the Beloved, the Eternal Word, Jesus made flesh. God who is love, the love that sits at the heart of the Trinity and holds the Trinity together. And we hear the invitation to join this communion of joy and love, responding to this invitation. And we are being invited to grow in trust 
in this God. In our creeds, we, especially the historic creeds, they use the word pistis, which means, so the creeds were all written in Greek. Greek was part of the universal language of the early church, not Latin, Greek, because the largest part of the church was in the Greek-speaking part of the world, the world that Jesus came from. And, uh, and in, it's the same word that's translated as believe in the New Testament as well. And as I've said when talking about it in relation to the New Testament, it really means trust rather than intellectual belief. And I wonder what difference that would make if we said in our creeds, for example, we trust in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, rather than we believe. Because when we trust, there is no need to understand. There is no need to fully agree with how God is described. There's no need to intellectually embrace this doctrine of Trinity. It simply asks us to trust this God and to start from that place. It simply invites us to trust this God who is the lover the beloved love. So I wonder how you respond to all of that. Probably with some confusion, which is fair enough, because we are being invited into a mystery. You and I will never understand God. But, and so for me, that evokes humility. I don't have all the answers about God, I never will. I don't have God down pat. I am always suspicious when I talk to other Christians who are able to explain everything about God and quite a little scripture with it. I'm like, hmm, it seems to me that we've made God in our own image and have used the Bible to justify that. In the end, God is beyond our imagination. God is beyond our understanding. That's why we have so much trouble understanding the Trinity. We are being invited into a mystery. But we do have a way of making sense of who God is. And in relation to that, who I am and who you are. And out of that, maybe, what is ours to do. And if we follow St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, one of the greatest theological minds of the Western Church, we are invited to meditate on the story of Jesus, and as we do that, to anchor our lives in the love of God, and delight in awe in one, and wonder at the mystery of God, and to trust this God, living in this communion of love. That's one way of understanding what the Trinity invites us into. So, I wonder what stood out for you, what you have questions about, what you'd like to talk more about, or are you just still really confused? I invite you to turn around and have another conversation with your neighbours. What difference does the Trinity, might the Trinity make for your lives now?